my favorite time of year. Um, I remember I was talking to the kids last night, and, and, and I remember as a kid um, having so much uh, fun around Christmas. And I didn't grow up in the best home, um, and so uh, we didn't have uh, a lot for Christmas. Um, we uh, it seemed like the holiday season was stressful for mom and dad, so we got yelled at more. <laughs> and so uh, it, it was, but to me, when I look back, it was simpler. And maybe you have that same feeling when, when you look back at your childhood and remember the simplicity. And I just told my kids, it's really because I wasn't an adult yet and had kids and didn't have to worry about, okay, so what bills can I pay this month and am I going to have enough to buy presents for my kids? Um, and I think as an adult, it changes, but it doesn't have to change all that much if we stay focused on what it really is about. It doesn't have to be stressful. I love the lights. I love the music, especially. As you can tell, I love the food. I love the family aspect of it, all of it. I just, I just love Christmas. And it's the time of year where I, I sense the most joy in people. Now, we used to have this debate of keep Christ in Christmas. Anymore, I'm just more of keep Christ in Christians, okay? <laughs> let's, let's, let's do one step at a time. Let's keep Christ in, in Christians first. Uh, but one of the debates that, was, that we've had for a long time is, is whether or not you say happy holidays or you say Merry Christmas, and I was uh, young in my ministry, uh, you know, the, the early 2000s, where, where I was thinking to myself, you know, yes, we got to fight this battle. And so when, when people at the store would wish me a happy holidays, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I'd get angry. And then I started thinking about it. What's the point? What's the point of getting angry? It used to bug me when people say, Merry Xmas, until I started reading my Bible and reading Greek, and to realize that the X in Xmas is Greek for Christ. And that's actually how they used to do that, as code for each other, is draw the X. So it's a Greek, Christos. And so it bugged me a little bit less, because... It's not that big of a deal. It's funny because when the world thinks they're doing something to ruin things, God just changes it and says, you know, I, I'll use that. So with this happy holidays versus Merry Christmas thing, I remember talking to my wife one time saying, gosh, it just really bugs me. And she's just like, why? Because it's taken Christ out. What do you expect from our culture? What do you expect from our world that we live in, a non-Christian world? You should expect that to happen. So why not choose to have joy in the situation? I choose the path that Paul talks about in Romans 12, 20 through 21. Here's what this passage says. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil, or do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So I got to thinking about that. And every time I got mad or upset about somebody saying happy holidays, I got to thinking about what Paul tells us to do. 
Feed your enemy. Give them drink. Overcome evil by doing good. He calls this heaping burning coals on their heads. So I've chosen, I've chosen in my life to be a, and I know it's not correct English, <laughs> a burning coal heaper. I've chosen to be kind, to let them know where I stand in a way that shows them the love of Jesus. And that whole coal heaping thing comes from the Old Testament. It's this picture of, of that kind of, I kind of think of it almost of an annoyance of kindness to people. I mean, there's a lot more to this, and I'm not getting into the theology of this right now, but it's kind of an, an annoyance of people of saying, you know what? I love you. Say what you want. Do what you want. I love you. So that's what I've chosen in my life. So I just simply look at them and give them a smile, and I say, Merry Christmas to you. There's no reason to get upset. There is already so much chaos and hostility in this world. You've heard me say it before, that of all the people on this planet that should have joy and kindness and compassion, it should be Christians. But yet, Christians are some of the biggest jerks. It's true. Of anyone who should have joy and kindness and compassion, it should be you and I who love Jesus and, and He's given Himself for us to save us and to treat people with respect and love. To be kind. Instead of adding to the chaos and the hostility, I try to choose the high road and to show peace. And especially at Christmas, the peace of Christmas. Because without the cr cradle, there isn't a cross. So we have to help them understand the importance of what we celebrate. As we continue in our series, looking at the various names of Jesus, we're looking today at the name Yahweh Shalom. Yahweh Shalom. Yahweh is God's name. And if you see in the Old Testament the capital L-O-R-D, Lord, that's translated into Yahweh. And now in the Greek... You don't see vowels, or not in the Greek, I'm sorry, the Hebrew. You don't see vowels. There was no, there was no vowels in Hebrew. That's only a, a fairly new addition to the Hebrew alphabet And when you look at words. And so, Y-H-W-H in the English, Yahweh. Yahweh is the Lord's name. That's his name. It's the great I am. Shalom is peace. That's Hebrew for peace. And so what we have is the Lord is peace. We're looking at that name today. And my prayer is that we leave here today with a better understanding of what peace really is. And may we in turn show that peace to a lost and broken world. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you be with us as we continue into this message. Speak to our hearts, Jesus. What is it that you want us to know? And more importantly, what is it that you want us to obey?
Help us to be obedient to your truth. And Father, help us to, instead of adding chaos and hostility at this time of year, to add joy and hope. We love you and we thank you, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen. Turn with me to John 14, 27. I'm intentionally using shorter verses for these messages because I want you to see the connection of the names of God to Jesus. Last week we looked at El Shaddai, meaning all-sufficient one, or God Almighty. El meaning God, Shaddai not really having a, a, a meaning that is really kind of um, uh, obscure, but, but most scholars uh, interpret it to be almighty or powerful, sufficient. And we looked last week at how Paul says that, that as he's talking to Jesus in, or having this vision of his thorn in his side, and he says Jesus responds to him that my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And how Jesus is that El Shaddai. It's his grace that is sufficient. His power that is made perfect in weakness. So therefore, Jesus carries the name of El Shaddai. This week, as we look at Yahweh, Shalom. John 14, 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift. Now this is Jesus speaking. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I love that. Because what we have here is something entirely different than what we're used to. It's in something entirely different than what we're used to. Jesus is much more than an iconic figure in a manger at Christmas time. I know people who, who set up nativity scenes, and they're not, they're not Christians at all, but that's, that's what you do for Christmas, right? It's about Jesus, and, but their life doesn't reflect that. See, Jesus has become this little baby in a manger and an icon, and the manger scenes we have aren't correct anyway. The wise men were not there at the birth of Jesus. Two years after, maybe, but not at the birth. But again, it's, it's iconic. This is what we're supposed to do because it's Christmas time. He's much more than a little baby that you find in this scene. He's much more than, than that one time a year you sit down with your family before Christmas dinner and you say grace. Jesus is so much more. It seems that our focus can be on a baby rather than who that baby really is. We've got to be careful, church, because the church falls into that time and time again. The church falls into that, that idea of who Jesus is, that he's just purely human. Yes, he was human. He was fully man and he was fully God at the same time. That's what Scripture teaches us. But yet at Christmas time, we, we make him just this fully human baby with nothing of, of divine nature. How do we do this? It's, we do this by the way we treat one another. We do this by the way we, we condemn. We do this by the way we speak. You see, Jesus is much more than just purely human. At this first Christmas, more than a baby was born. Read Revelation 12. 
more than a baby. God put on flesh. God put on flesh. This is called the incarnation. When God became man. I love what C.S. Lewis said of the incarnation. He said, the central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became man. What did he say? That's the central miracle. That's what our faith is founded on. Is this central miracle that God became man. And he did this to dwell with his creation. He did this to teach us, to show us what it means to love, to show us how to pray, to show us how to have compassion, to show us how to treat one another, to show us how to stand on truth and still be tough love. So that we know we can still stand on the word of God and still love people at the same time. It doesn't have to be either or. You don't have to accept all their sins just because you've got to love them. That's not love. If you love them, you would share with them the truth. If you accept the sin as it is and say, well, you can just do whatever you want. I love you. You're loving them to hell. Jesus taught us different. He can do this because he was fully God and fully man. He came and he brought peace, but not the peace you think. Peace like we had never seen before. Did you know that when we talk about Yahweh Shalom, we are talking about another name of God the Father? Judges 6.24 says, Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. Yahweh Shalom. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abezerites. Now look at what Paul says in Ephesians 2.14. This is about Jesus. For he himself is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Who is Paul speaking of here again? Jesus. Jesus was more than a man. He was and still is Yahweh Shalom. He is the Lord of peace. So, what is this peace that we speak of? Now, when I say peace, a lot of us think of, you know, hippies, peace on earth. You know, peace on earth. We talk about this. Uh, it's interesting to me because in the, in the, we always hear the scripture in Luke uh, quoted that peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But the actual translation means peace on earth, goodwill to whom his favor rests. That means it's not peace on everybody's life. It's on peace of his children, of whom his favor rests, who God has called to himself, who have accepted his grace and his mercy. Peace on you. That's what that means. But yet we look at peace and we think of, well, I'm not arguing with my neighbor, so I guess we're at peace. The word for peace in the Old Testament is shalom, and the New Testament is translated to rane. Rane. And yes, this peace in the Bible can be a type of peace like you have between countries. Okay? 
If you look at United States history, very few years of our history has been at peace. Okay, so there, you know, we can look at peace as that. It, it can be experienced between feuding people, arguing people. However, when in the name of God, it doesn't mean any of that. It doesn't mean you're going to be absent from feud or trouble. So what does it mean when we put our hope and faith in Yahweh Shalom and He gives us His peace? Jesus tells us in John 16, in this world you will have what? Trouble, tribulation, whatever. Okay, so that's a promise. So logically thinking, when we look at that verse, we can look at it and say, well, Jesus isn't talking about peace as in we won't ever have trouble. That, that's not who Jesus is, not who God. When you become a Christian, in fact, you're putting on a target. It says, here, Satan, look at me. I'm, not, I'm no longer yours. So you're inviting attack. But you've been given peace. So how does this work? You see, it's Jesus that is concerned about the highest good in a person. He's concerned about the highest good. So in our passage today, Jesus says that he does not give as the world gives. So right away, we know that the peace of Jesus is different than what the world claims peace is. So what is it? You see, the world offers peace that is only an escape from trouble. It's, a, it's a, maybe a, an avenue to not have to face hard things. But listen to what the late scholar William Barclay said. He said, the peace which Jesus offers is the peace of conquest. No experience of life can ever take it from us. And no sorrow, no danger, no suffering can make it less. It is independent of outward circumstances. The peace Jesus gives is the peace that exists between God and man. It's the peace to know that we have eternity with him. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So the peace that Jesus gives is a peace between the war that exists between God and man, that chasm, that canyon that separates us. Jesus brings a peace between us and God. That is why we can be redeemed. That is why we can be made righteous. That is why we can be sanctified. Is what Jesus has done. Therefore, he is the Lord of peace. It is through Jesus and only through Jesus can you experience this type of peace. You cannot find this peace anywhere else. If you're trying to do it on your own, you're going to fail. And you can go to the grave thinking, I can do this and I can do this and God's going to be pleased with me and, and I... You're going to have to stand before him one day. And Jesus says, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is actually mine. The peace God give, Jesus gives is the peace of knowing that you are his. So this morning I want to look at Yahweh Shalom and what Yahweh Shalom gives through his peace. So with the peace of Jesus, we are given joy. We are given joy. Joy. Again, of all the people in the world that should be joyful, it should be you and I. 
But I don't think we are because we don't understand what joy is. Joy is not happiness. You will have times when you're not happy. You know that. But joy is something that is always there even when you're unhappy or mad or sad or hurt or whatever. Joy stays because it is, I believe, a gift that Jesus gives. And it comes through knowing his peace. So he gives joy. So when things aren't going right, you can have joy in the Lord, peace in the Lord, knowing that he's in control. And no matter what outcome, you're going to worship him. You're going to give him everything. The joy that is felt this time of year is amazing. However, it's a joy that should last all year long. This should not be a Christmas time joy, church. It should be a year-long joy. Joy is something that sticks. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, when the heart is full of joy, it always allows its joy to escape. It's like the fountain in the marketplace. Wherever it is full, it runs away in streams. And so soon as it ceases to overflow, you may be quite sure that it has ceased to be full. The only full heart is the overflowing heart. If you claim Jesus in your life this morning, you're here saying, I'm a Christian, I've been a Christian for a long time, does joy overflow from your life? If it doesn't, you may have to have another conversation with Jesus. Does joy overflow from your life? Does it show, when people look at you, they, do they, can they describe you as, man, that is, a, that is a guy or that is a woman full of joy? Or when they look at you, do they see bitterness and, and, and strife? Do they see anger? They need to see joy. If you have the peace of God in your life, then the joy of the Lord should overflow all the time. Even on your very worst days, joy is seen. No matter the situation in your life, many enter this time of year with a lot weighing on them. Loved ones gone. Financial stress. COVID has not been our friend. But whatever is weighing you down, God's peace is available. You can still have joy. All you have to do is give it to Him. Lay your burdens down at His feet. And God will overcome those burdens because he's already, He already has. We're carrying around our burdens needlessly. Jesus has already paid the penalty. He's already overcome Sin and death. All we have to do is give it to him. And we can receive joy and peace. You don't have to live with bitterness or anger or envy or strife or any of those things. You can live in joy. And with his peace, we find joy that will last. So let God fill you with his joy. And finally, we receive hope. You receive hope. 
And I don't know about you, but I think I've misunderstood hope a lot in my life. I've looked at hope as, well, maybe it will happen, but that's not the hope the Bible speaks of. The hope the Bible speaks of is not, I hope I'm saved. The hope the Bible speaks out is, about is in Jesus. So we place our faith and trust in Him, and we place our hope in Him to know He's already, can, he's already canceled all of that debt. He's already given us life. So our hope changes into, I, ho- I, I, I think it might happen, to I know it will happen because Jesus has already done it. Amen. That's biblical hope. So if your hope is in Jesus, it isn't, I, I want to go to heaven, maybe. You need to have assurance of that because if you place your hope and faith in Jesus, he's already accomplished it. You're going. It's already done. Now live for him. Your spiritual response to what Jesus has done is to live for him. That's your act of worship. Offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Psalm 42, 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in who? God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation. Our hope is in him. In our world, there seems to be plenty of excuses to have negative outlooks. <laughs> I, I mean, just sit down and watch for a couple hours the news. I guarantee you, you will leave from watching the hour or two hours of news thinking, what in the world is wrong with this place? There are many reasons not to have joy and hope. But we have a peace that this world doesn't understand. We have something that this world is not really gripping. The fact is the world is filled with sin. We know this. And it's only going to get worse. If you're one of those people theologically that think it's going to get better before Jesus comes back, please read your Bible again. It's going to get worse. So therefore, we have to depend more on Jesus. We have to depend more on his joy and the hope that he gives. We have to depend more on his guidance and his leading because this world is going to get worse. But as believers, we have something unique. We have a living hope. It's not just a hope that came and died for us and and went to heaven. He is a living hope. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Jesus lives, the hope lives. Now, if Jesus would have stayed in the grave, we'd be having a different conversation. In fact, we wouldn't even be here. Because that's a dead hope. Our hope is gone. We have a living Savior who rose from the grave to conquer sin and death. Now our hope lives in Him. He is our salvation. 
The hope we have in Jesus gives us the assurance of eternity with Him. We no longer hope that we're going to be saved. Please, God. If you've placed your hope and faith in Jesus, you are saved. So therefore, live that way. Live like you're saved. Live like you know Jesus has already accomplished it. Because He has. The hope we have in Jesus gives this assurance. We truly have a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's why the Bible says that when the world looks at this, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, when the world sees this stuff, they think it as foolish. When the Jews look at it, they, they think of it as, as, as a lie, like, no, no, that's not, you know, Jews were all about the signs and the wonders. Show us Jesus, show us Jesus, and then we'll believe. You see, but Paul tells us very clearly that not everybody's going to understand. Because this is a, this is a, a, a thing that surpasses all understanding. We, we don't even understand it in the church, but we believe. We give our faith to it. We follow it. Because we know that Jesus is true. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But the sad part is, is a lot of those people... It'll be too late. So church, what are we doing with our joy and our hope that will help change some of those people's lives now so that when they bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords one day at his return, they will be crying out to the Savior of the world and know that they're going to be with him for eternity. What are we doing now that reflects the hope and the joy of the Lord? When there seems like there is no hope, Jesus reminds us that he is peace. Yahweh, shalom. We have hope. Yahweh, shalom. There's so much in that name. I could go on for hours just on this name of God and what it means for us. To me, this time of year is just the beginning. It's the beginning of what the rest of the year can be. You don't have to be a Scrooge or a Grinch. You're the joy of the Lord. So live in that. We have a peace that this world will never understand. But we are the agents of that peace to show them what they can have. We have to take this message that this peace gives joy and hope to anyone who would believe. I want to end this morning with something I found that I feel is, is very profound. It's called, we, What Have You Heard and Seen This Christmas? Oh, you say, had I been there at Bethlehem that night, I would have seen. I would have understood. I would have known it was the Christ child. Would you? There's one way of knowing. Ask yourself, what you have seen and heard this Christmas season. When you watched the news, did you see chaos and strife? Or did you see sheep without a shepherd? When you went out to do your shopping, did you see only hordes of people in the stores? Or did you notice the worried expressions on some faces 
worried because they are facing this Christmas without employment or enough money. And they don't know what they're going to do to make ends meet. What did you hear this Christmas? Did you only hear the blast of music and carols? Or did you hear the silent sighs of the lonely and the bereaved who may be dreading Christmas because it accentuates their loneliness? And in the midst of the sounds of honking horns and people arguing over parking places or toys, did you hear faint sounds of laughter coming from the church missions project because you furnished food and toys for their families and the children? You see, so often, what you see and what you hear is not dependent upon the event, but upon you. If you did, in fact, hear the cry from the lonely, the laughter of the poor children, if you saw the sheep without a shepherd, then, and only then, might you have noticed the events that took place in Bethlehem that night. If you lacked that spiritual seeing and hearing, then you probably would have been with 99% who were present, but who saw or heard nothing out of the ordinary. In the end, perhaps one of our Carol's words says it best, No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where a meek soul shall receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for all that you've done, for becoming exactly what we need, for sending your one and only Son. And as that is what we celebrate at this time of year, and we know that without the birth, there is no death or resurrection. We know, God, your plan happened exactly how you wanted it to. So we praise you, and we put our hope and faith in you. We thank you for the peace that you give, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that if there's any in this room this morning that does not know that peace, that today would be the day that they come to know who you are, Jesus. We love you and we thank you for all that you've given. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.